0: Hi, you're listening to Ember Island Airwaves. I'm Soren Howe, and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield. And we're going to be discussing uh, Beyond the Wilds, which is the latest episode of The Legend of Korra. Uh, so this was a a crazy episode, um, I would say. This is... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> they packed yeah. a lot in here. Um, <laughs> and now, before we get started, I think about the actual content of the episode... Uh, About the actual content of the episode, I just want to comment on a theory that I think makes a lot of sense, and I don't think they're really trying to hide it, but you do get that impression that um, this episode is so jam-packed specifically because of last week and the fact that they cut an episode. I think they would have split this episode into two distinct parts had this Mm. been, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm, That's interesting. Well... I think that's certainly uh,
0: cuz it seems know, like there's whole sequences that were sort of cut or cut short, you know, especially with Cora and um here.
1: Yeah, well, I mean I think that makes perfect sense. I would argue that I've had that problem with a lot of episodes this season. Really? So I'm not entirely sure that this is a that this is endemic to this episode as much as it is to the season as a what, whole. What but I think that theory had, makes
0: What episodes have you had that problem with?
1: Um, well, let me think. What other episodes have there been? Um, well, I I, I think in general it's a structural thing. I think there's this. I, I get this feeling with a lot of these episodes that they're they're kind of really they're they're really bare bones. They're jamming in like the most necessary plot beats, and as because of that, it feels like. The episodes just feel a lot uh, thinner that's funny than you they usually that. do. And this episode is, is no different. Oh, and, you know, that's not necessarily to say that the content itself is, you know, not good, taken on its own. But it feels like there's not a lot of breathing room in this season. And they're just kind of, you know, getting from beat to beat without ta- you know without too much time to really
0: get It'll into be, any, I, it's gonna be really funny when you go back and watch this again like um without breaks in between i do agree that i don't think cora in general lends itself at all to a weekly viewing at all as we've talked about it it makes sense as a binge watch sort of show but i think you're gonna watch it all at once um with or without last week's episode uh not last week the um whatever it was remembrances uh the clip show um you're going to watch it with, uh, even with that, and the pacing will feel fine. Because I think it's a question of, um, so like, we can talk about this individual episode and how it works individually, obviously. But I think there's this, um, it, the, it, none of these episodes are going to, with 20 minutes, you're never going to compel someone. I mean, this is why they do hour-long episodes for pretty much every other Kind of uh, show. It's very difficult to to fit a whole story into twenty minutes or a, a chapter of a story into into such a short period of time. So, um, but I think, but I've, I mean, we've talked about every episode this season, uh, and from your, you have other complaints about other episodes. Like, why are certain plot line? I have the same complaints. Why are certain pl- plot lines juxtap- juxtaposed with, you know, uh, you know, main plot points? Like, it doesn't make any. Like, why are we watching Varric and Bolin? escape from a train while there's this fight with Kuvira and Korra going on. Like, that was weird, I agree. But this episode, what's weird about it is more that, like, had they had time, it seems like this episode would have ended with Korra showing up at Zaheer's prison, and that being a whoa moment, and the next episode being this crazy, uh, you know, spiritual guidance episode where Korra has to deal with Zaheer, uh, goes back, um, you know goes to the spirit you know in this it just if they fast forward through all of that rava suddenly appears and like everything is just it's it's lightning fast and it's like they had to cut out entire moments from this you know there's no like progression she just shows up so here's like just focus on your breathing and then all of a sudden it works and that's that that's the kind of thing that you expand in a second episode but they couldn't
1: well just to clarify um I know that I've been saying a lot (laughs) The regular listeners will remember that I've been saying a lot this season that these episodes feel like they're spreading very little material over uh, too much space and you know I, I look at the list of the episodes that have aired thus far and it's crazy like how little there's so little meat to this collection of nine episodes when you think about it like you know you, when you think about um, what's happened by a particular, and I don't want—I don't want to harp on just you know an amount of things happening, like quantifying it, but—but but what's funny you, is
0: so much happens in this episode, and that's what I'm saying is that its a, I, I, I understand your your trepidation about other episodes, but this one I think has the reverse thing going. See, on. I
1: disagree. I don't think much happens in this episode what? either. No, seriously. I—I I, I absolutely. I think the problem is that this could have been expanded into a lot of material, but it's reduced to very little material. It's reduced to the spirit vines are taking people, so Korra sees Zaheer and fixes her, and she saves them. Like, there's not actually a lot going on there, and I think the problem is that there should be. There's a lot of material to be mined, but it's just not there.
0: But I guess it's a perspective of what you're talking about as, like, stuff, or what is there, because for me, the key to, like, um, there would be an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, for example, where, like, The Storm, where nothing happens in that episode. Nothing happens in that whole episode. Nothing, plot-wise, happens. And yet, uh, I don't, actually, I'm not a big fan of that episode. It's funny. I should use it as an example. But oh, I really like that episode. Right, no, a but lot of people should, do. Go on. It's important for a lot of reasons. It puts Zuko and Aang opposite each other. It gives us backstory. It's great. For that you know, reason uh, I just wasn't compelled by what was going on in the real world, I thought it was stupid. Um, but uh, but again, like so, so when you say all those, but all of those things you just talked about, it's not a lot, uh, maybe on paper, but you know, Cora reconnecting, you know, getting past that last hurdle, you know, beyond just the poison is huge. Reconnecting with Rava is huge. Going to talk to Zahir is huge. The spirit vines attacking people and what's going on with with Kavira is huge. And so all of these things, um, it's just they're glossed over in this episode because I don't, you know, again, I'm totally speculating and a lot of other people have done the same that it's because of the missed episode. So they're cramming it in here, but you just like, and so you sort of have to infer a lot of what's going on, you know, that she, maybe it took her time to get up the courage to actually go talk to Zaheer. Maybe it took her time to really focus and get into the spirit world. And it took her, and that when, this is my least favorite part of the episode, by the way, when she sees Rava uh, again. Because, um, and I know we're jumping ahead to that scene, but it's just, but this fits in with the same idea. It, she's totally unmoved by this. She's like, Rava, oh, I thought I'd never see you again. That's the whole, I'm like, are you kidding? You, okay, first of all, I didn't realize she had thought she didn't have Rava with her. How did she think she was going into? No, the they Avatar touched state?
1: on that. They definitely touched on that in Korra alone. They talk about when she goes into the Tree of Time, the spirits can't sense Rava. She can't connect with uh, Rava because she, she can't go, go into the Avatar state. Uh, so there's definitely. <laughs> well, then,
0: but she can go into the Avatar state, though, can't she? No, just, I thought
1: that was the whole thing. She can, but
0: they... temporarily. But, but again, how? Where did the glowing eyes come from? Like just on a very basic level, it's not her past lives. It must be Rava, even if it's just like weak rava trying to rebuild herself it's still rava like i don't know what she thought that was it's not some innate thing in her it's not midichlorians it's you know
1: i don't okay but to get back to what you by the way is is
0: rava the midichlorians of this universe good question Um, good question (laughs) because they took avatar state yeah because they took the avatar state which is like this amorphous sort of thing and then they were like no it's a spirit
1: which is all well, but that's also an amorphous sort of thing. It so is, I, I, so I would it give is, it a but pass. But so are
0: midi which are made up, you know. So anyway, it's just well,
1: interesting I, that they. I, I, but midi- I mean, midi are not to get into this, but oh my god, but midi are so, <laughs> you know, scientific and. But
0: they're not. They're they're completely.
1: I know, but like the whole thing is is it takes this very <laughs> spiritual, mystical <laughs> thing and quantifies it in a scientific, you know, in sure. a scientific way that kind of ruins I would the argue whole they point still, of it.
0: But I still would still argue there's a difference between. Uh, Something that's un, in, intangible and invisible, and then um, personifying it in some way, even if it's a white kite spirit thing, you're still personifying it, Like, that you can take it out of Korra and then kill it is new information. But I know, think so. with
1: Rava, you're making a mystical thing more mystical as opposed to less mystical.
0: You're not, oh, well, you're, no, you you might be making it more mystical, but you're making it more tangible, too. And that's the thing. Like, if you were—even if they, in Star Wars, had been, like, the Force, not chlorians, but his spirit inside of everyone, and then Luke had a scene where, you know, Darth Vader rips out his spirit from his body and kills it, you'd be like, well— uh, I wouldn't have had a problem with that for this really? exact reason. No, oh, because
1: it, because it serves the exact same function that the Force and that the Avatar state did to begin with— it's something mystical and beyond our understanding and made up that
0: we. But it's very tangible and you can kill it. Like it seems. But very... it's not
1: tangible. But it's, it's not tangible. It's it's actually I think a lot less tangible because it's expanding on something mystical and intangible in a way that is even more ridiculous and inventive. Whereas mitochondria's are an attempt to say no to ground it yeah, in reality. Exactly, they're grounding it, trying to ground it in our reality and say no. This is like a thing that's in your blood. And, like, we all understand that, right? Like, it's a it thing? De- like it a-
0: depends. If it's, like, some sort of, like, if it's a voice... If it was a voice in her head, that would be one thing. But, like, um, uh, Unalak slash Vatu literally rip it out of her body and then hit it repeatedly. And, like, you shouldn't be able to... If it's not... You've immediately given it physical form and function. And it can be... I mean, when we first meet Rava, she's wrestling with Vatu, who is, to be fair, a spirit. But... Um, and And then... One uh, who is uh, not a spirit uses bending to, you know, split them in half. So you've already made tangible the thing that becomes the avatar state. So, but anyway, I, that was just a thought that occurred to me. It's kind of an
1: interesting. To, um, uh, yeah, I don't even remember what we're talking about now. <laughs> um, to get back to what I think, I think you were just talking about a minute ago. Um, in terms of the structure of this episode, Are you oh you you were comparing it to the storm. So the storm is an episode where you, i agree not much happens in terms of the you know plot progression and you know as the characters are in the present day in the present day as, as it relates to that particular episode but at the same time we're learning so much about the, well, there is a lot of plot progression because of these flashbacks and it's you know reverse plot progression but it's still filling in a gap in a linear way and it's telling, you know, telling us a s- uh, story that we have not previously seen. Uh, and I don't remember how you were relating that to Cora.
0: I was just saying it's a bad measure of a of an episode to say, personally, I think it's a bad measure to say, to like write down the list of things that happened. I would say that <clears throat> it's not so much that you can check off 15 things on this list of things that happened in this episode, but in terms of the size and quality of the things, that were, those were huge. So all of the things that happen in this are, are are enormous. They're just very... They're almost sidelined when they should never have been, you know, and... Uh, well,
1: but that's why I actually liked this episode uh, more than most other episodes this season. <laughs> to get
0: back to it, you really liked this episode.
1: Yeah, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> you're funny. right. Not a lot, quote-unquote, happened in this episode, but just like you're saying, the events are so... Of such massive importance, it feels like we're finally getting payoffs to it's, you know I agree. all it's this stuff. A,
0: it feels like catch up. It's like oh, we we missed out on last week, so we have to catch up on all these plot lines. Oh, I that agree. You've been waiting on you know. I
1: agree, and that I mean that's the fault of the previous eight episodes, frankly, for oh, not doing so. this.
0: I don't. I mean, I think it's the problem. I, I think you could have cut reunion and put this some of this stuff in, but um I, I also, agree. No, I think I also, you could have cut but reunion. I also blame remembrances and not the creators but the you know.
1: Video. No, yeah, I, I, I think I, I generally do Not agree to with you. Not get back on the Nick thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're gonna start airing it on TV. Yeah, we, of course. We found they that are, out like right after we recorded. Unknown, um, unknown reason. <laughs> but oh man, yeah, I, I generally agree with you that this measure of uh, of plot development, you know, literally in terms of checking off boxes or. or writing a list of, of ways that the plot progressed is not a super, like, uh, intellectual way to approach a TV mm-hmm. show. But I will say this. <laughs> but. Um, well, yeah, I, but I also... Because I've had this argument with people on the Last Airbender subreddit who were very dismissive of this attitude. And, were, you know, I a lot I mean, you're not doing this, uh, but I did see people being like, oh, these people just want there to be more fight scenes. They're just sad. There's no action there's so much yeah, there's no action but we're getting character development but they don't like that there's no character development in these episodes yeah. either <laughs> there's nothing it's just complete well it so depends f- on the episode but yeah i mean yeah cora alone being the exception and i guess this one uh, no Beyond i would the say there's a exception.
0: couple of i mean i would say that the scenes with cora in the swamp were pretty um, character development uh, not for Toph really because she was exactly the same beginning and end but i think cora continued to progress then there were episodes like uh reunions or what was it reunion we're just yeah, nothing. N- there was no character development. They were like, "Oh, Korra and Asami still blush when they see each other, and what is that?" Um, but there wasn't like there was no character development there. Um, uh, there was yeah, a lot. Like, there was a lot in Remembrances. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's three seasons worth in Remembrances. Oh my it was God. amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's amazing, especially the <laughs> love triangle stuff. Really helped. <laughs>
1: um, but, my, but anyway, what, I, yeah, what I'm saying is, and we talked about this when we talked about uh, episode four, The Calling, mm. where uh, that episode is nothing but character interaction, but there's actually no development by the end of it. Like, there's this pretense of growth on the part of the Airbender kids, but they haven't changed or learned anything. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Calling was odd. It was an odd <laughs> exactly,
1: before. and I think that, I mean, that, that's a problem in, um, I mean... Uh, <laughs> My, what i'm really kind of the, my least favorite episodes of the season so far barring like remembrances and whatever are my least favorite thing about the season i'll say that is enemy at the gates and the battle of Zaufu. because talk about you know two episodes that should have been one why are there why were those at, you know why were those two episodes we talked about how the fight uh, the kuvira and pride yeah. duel yeah the first
0: one's sort of negotiation the second one's fighting
1: yeah, and then the the duel, which takes up a large, pretty large chunk of the Battle of Zaufu is pretty repetitive. Like well, they yeah, really. I, I know. I know you weren't happy. We, with we that. Talk, yeah, I was, I, remember, I was fine with
0: that. It was just I, I didn't mind that. I would do two things with the, those two episodes. The first thing I might do is just to see how it flows, is edit the duel into one segment of the episode, and edit the and edit the Bolin Um Varick things into a different segment of the episode, so that we don't lose the complete flow of the bomb about to go off, or the korra fight. Why would you interrupt that constantly? It makes no sense. Every time you get into one plot, the other plot starts and kills momentum. It's not like it's building tension, which is what they thought they were doing. That didn't work. That's one thing I would do. The other thing I would do is even more drastic. I might cut, pull a Game of Thrones, why not, and just run, uh, an entire, uh, Korra-centric Fu episode and then separately uh, an entire Bolin and Varric episode and just have them be like, okay, we're going to get this character this week and that character that week. And it might just flow better. I think it's really a question of editing. I don't think there's anything wrong with those episodes in terms of what happens. I just think, and I know because you had a problem with the repetitiveness, but I think that if you edited it together, it wouldn't feel repetitive. It would move forward and the the duel's not that long and it would end and it would communicate what it needed to. Um, the problem well, is, I think, that of the way it is edited, it makes very little sense.
1: Well, I think that with the duel specifically, um, if you... Put, I would be really curious to see this as well, actually. I'm just curious, yeah. If you put yeah, all, of curious, the, yeah. all of the bits of the duel into one segment, I think obviously the moves... I think actually it would be worse, because you're seeing the exact same thing back to back to back, whereas if... Which is what you... But again,
0: that's what you think. I just don't think it's... It,
1: if you're but if there's i think these, if if they're split throughout the episode then you have the possible benefit of having forgotten the that, specifics so. of what you've seen in the last time we cut to the battle whereas <laughs> if it just ha- if it's literally just the same three moves over and over again with no interruption i think it's actually going to become more apparent have you
0: watched that episode again cuz i feel like i didn't get no. the impression that it was so repetitive
1: i mean i watched it t- uh, twice i think before we talked I mean, I, but yeah i do that
0: too i don't know we'll have to yeah. we'll have to take another look at that i think Oh, you know what, Who who's probably done that? Because sometimes, like, with the last Agni Kai, there's someone who's edited together the full Agni Kai from beginning to end without um, the interruption of the rest of what's going on during Sozin's comment. And that works, but it works even better. And that's a good example, actually. There's a good example of a, first of all, it's the best fight in the whole franchise, hands down, in my opinion. Um, but uh, it's, it's beautiful and emotional, but it works uh, when it's edited together, even though... There's like an abrupt cut because it's not intended to to be like that. But it it edits together just right and you you never break the tension and it all works as one continuous um, piece. So I think, and a lot of people, what they do, um, there seems to be like this contingency of YouTubers who like to cut together all the fight scenes from Korra. So, you know, like there's the Tenzin fight from uh, the end of season three or midway through season three um, with all the siblings fighting and they edit it all together into one coherent piece so someone might have already done it with Kuvira and korra just because they do that a lot so we might want to i might look for that in case maybe
1: broke. yeah um but yeah just to kind of wrap up the
0: discussion of the structure of the season right sure
1: i swear to god we talked about every single <laughs> time
0: we've broken but... down this season well beyond i think what uh, anyone thought uh, <laughs> <laughs> was going to happen to the show
1: that's true yeah um the w- so beyond the wilds i think that yes while uh, it has actually a lot a lot more you know plot beats than any other single episode this season i think like you said those um there's a lot of emphasis put on those moments mm-hmm. so while well, you yeah, think it would be
0: well some of it's deemphasized and that's what i find weird about it like it should be a big deal that she sees um rava again like that to me it's it's de-emphasis in cases like that well
1: but i get like what else would that moment require like i don't know No, just to
0: hold on it a little bit longer maybe play some music something i mean for it's rava i mean if you're gonna make that such a big thing in season two and then when rava hasn't been seen for a season and a half finally makes a reappearance and you go oh hey what's up how's it going i haven't seen you in a while i I mean i think you're
1: uh, underselling it i i I, I, i'm not sure i i think that it is fine or try to get back did.
0: into the spirit world, and she just, like, that's a, that's a three-second transition.
1: No, I agree that it's rushed, and I think that, I mean...
0: Some people have actually said those scenes look like they like they were storyboarded out. Like, maybe it was storyboarded out in a much, um, in, a, oh no, in an extended sequence, and then they cut it down, because it looks like there's things that might have happened in that, uh, the, when she's entering the spirit world, that were, it almost seems, it seems very abrupt. Not just how fat, like, the length of time, but also just, like, the shots themselves seem Mm -hmm. like there were parts. I mean, who knows? Who knows? But I just, it's just, but I can see that being, you know, like, this would be a very interesting parallel to, you know, the Guru episode. Where you have Aang, you know, trying to go through all the chakras and everything, but with Guru Patik, who's, like, just a super nice, weird old guy. Um, And then that has an interesting end to it. What he can't
1: oh yeah by the way uh that episode is exactly what you're talking about where ang unlocks all the uh chakras like instantly um like in three seconds except until the last one
0: well until the last one but it's each at least there's seven of them and it's i always forget like because i always think about it on paper and that's the. that's another problem with avatar in general i think is that when you describe it it sounds stupid <laughs> and then you see it and you go oh that really worked you know um so I think, and I always forget about that episode having this, um, first of all, that's the episode where Toph bends metal for the first time. And it fits so perfectly into what Guru Patik is saying. Because, I mean, he talks specifically about metal. Uh, and he's like, metal is really just refined earth or whatever. Um, but uh, but that moment is just timed so well. And it, it feels like, it seems like a weird thing to show Toph in, you know, Trapped. Um, and then to show Aang trying to go through the the chakras, and you're like, all right, well they're both trapped. I guess that's thematic. But then he's literally talking about the unity of all things, and, and it really fits. Um, uh, but I always think on paper, as you said, like you know, he goes through seven chak- or six uh, chakras in one episode. That seems improbable. But first, they imply the passage of time with night and day, so that takes some time. Here we don't get that at all. We're just in a, a prison cell. And it literally happens within one scene. Like they don't I don't even think they cut away during this. He just does it. She just does it. Uh see he here's floating, he says, Focus on your breathing and then it works.
1: Well, uh, having watched the guru pretty recently, I what I remember is that when Ang comes, yeah. comes back. When Ang when Ang comes back, Saka is surprised like really surprised because he's back so early and it's implied and this is by the way. We talk about, we've talked about Star Wars so much this season. That's a uh, complaint about The Empire Strikes Back, too, is that Luke, if the timeline is supposed to match up, he spends, like, a couple days training with Yoda <laughs> and tra- trying to become a fully-fledged Jedi. Uh, well, yeah, but, uh, no, but the but reason that no it works is...
0: There, whereas Aang is, first of all, studied with someone who grew Guru Teak knew with Monkey Yatsu. They were friends. And so the implication is that um, they, maybe they have a t- similar teaching style, and Aang is already very attuned to spiritual... Stuff, whereas Luke is just some farmer that somehow <laughs> learns how to use the force pretty quickly.
1: Well, I think the reason it it works in Empire Strikes Back is because of editing, like you're talking about. It the passage of time is implied in the, whenever we cut away to Luke. We, you know, if we're taking the linear progression of the non Luke stuff in that part of the movie, that seems to take place over a long period of time because the characters are constantly moving to different locations sure, and. Yeah, yeah. It just it feels like it's a pretty long time passing. So even though we don't get that directly in the Luke segments, the structure of the combination of the two it has an effect on on the time that we feel is in. I can't finish the sentence, but you get the idea. Yeah, <laughs> um, I couldn't think of a way to finish it, but uh, so yeah, I agree with you that if there, my my major problem with this episode is that the Zaheer stuff is a little rushed, but I think that the Zaheer stuff is so fascinating that I didn't have a problem with it. Well, no, I was that's, willing to that's just
0: it. It is fascinating. I love the idea of her going to talk to Zaheer. And I like that. He's not like, he's not like I'm going to be part of team avatar now, you know, it's not Zuko, you know, but he is, he, and he doesn't, you know, he justifies it really quickly, but it's just their conversation. Like their negotiation goes so quickly. Her, her getting over it goes quickly like going over going to visit him even though she's petrified of him i mean they spent the like nine episodes talking about how scared she is of zaheer and that's why she can't move on and she gets over it pretty quickly after talking to tenzin uh and you know a couple of other, couple of other people and then she goes in and then her negotiation with zaheer goes pretty quick and he goes well you know blah 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 blah, blah. Our, our allegiances are aligned sit down spirit world like that's the whole thing and i i like The idea of it. And it's not, it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, the Zuko, Zuko's mom plotline or something where I don't have a problem with it being introduced. I'm a little confused as to why you introduce something that you, you know, where, like where there's a lot of implication of more that you're not giving us. You know, and then it turns out with Zuko's mom, they didn't give it to us until, you know, the comic. And so I just, so for here, it's like, I could see like an ex- deleted scene, extended sequence, you know, where you could see this play out. Um, just because it just, it feels like they glossed over something that is almost implied to have taken longer. It's so, there's so much there that it just couldn't have taken place in the but course of 30 seconds. But that's the thing, I, I,
1: th- I think it is implied. And the I, here, I, I just figured out while you were talking, I finally, finally figured out my problem with this <laughs> season. I finally get it now. Finally, um, I think uh, the passage of time and then the you know complexity of her relationship with Zahir—we don't see it all, but it is implied in that scene. And I think, I mean, we get it, even though we don't see it. And I agree with you that it probably would have. It wouldn't have hurt, certainly, to actually see that to see more play out in more I detail. Think, yeah. But I think it works because that relationship is so immediately compelling that we can latch onto it with less information it's than not, we it, otherwise might. And but but to, it's
0: not information. I, it, I, all I want is information about like what happens there. But I. But in terms of, I just wanted to see more of a confrontation, more of a. You know, he he scared her so much. And he, like, if she had had a chance to sit down with Aman, for example, she'd have quite a bit to talk, <laughs> to yell at him about or, uh, you know, to talk to him about or try and figure out what his motives were or anything. And so, you know, Zahir nearly killed her. He, he, he hit her, you know, a thousand million times. He took uh, her, uh, he almost took the air out of her lungs. Like, these are the kind of things you spit on people for you throw things you get angry even if she doesn't hurt him you know just expressing her anger cora the woman who can't wait five seconds for something to happen. i know she's evolved a little bit but who can't wait for five you know you expect maybe a little bit of confrontation in this instance of you know and this is the time to express that kind of emotion because it's not like it's putting anyone in danger he's chained up you know
1: but i think there's a well okay first of all i think that I I don't I personally wouldn't have gotten anything more out of having Cora do that, and I I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of or seeing more of their confrontation. To that confrontation.
0: I would be interested in how he would react to that sort of you know like to see what it did to this young woman. But that this he whole tormented. season has
1: been so it's been almost minimalist in its plotting. Yeah, and <laughs> this this episode is uh, no different than any of the others, but. To get uh, to, to to finish what I brought up a minute ago, my problem with this season ultimately is that I think you know minimalistic plotting can work really well mm-hmm. if the plot is interesting, and I'm just not interested in the Kuvira stuff or in the Bo, you know really in the Bolin or Varick stuff. Although I have enjoyed that stuff, and that's been some those have been some of my favorite scenes of the season. I just don't think that the Kuv- the Earth Empire and the Kuvira uh, story is compelling enough to justify being so kind of... Uh, I don't want to say blasé, but not delving into it in the level of detail that it requires. You know, I could see an argument being made for Season 3 and Season 1, and I think people have probably made this argument about Season 1, that uh, those are shallow seasons they're fun seasons and they're you know really they have intriguing ideas at play but it's mostly kind of just a roller coaster ride uh, and you cross the finish line and you're done but those are my favorite seasons of the show because the ideas at play are so interesting the characters are so the villains especially their, their motivations are fascinating and because of that I'm okay with the fact that we're not like, I don't think we need to delve in any further than we already do because what they give us is enough, it makes enough of an impact on me. Whereas what they've, like I've talked about, I think a couple episodes ago, what they've given us of Kuvira just hasn't, just is meaningless to me. We haven't really, we see well, m- I think, more of.
0: I mean, maybe you, maybe you would have liked to have seen it sooner, but I think we still have, there's more to be, Revealed about Kavira, like her end goal was not conquering the Earth Kingdom, right? It was harvesting spirit energy. Like that's going to be the central conflict of this season, and they've built, they've taken some time getting there. But you know, they were introducing the spirit vine stuff as early as what was it, like the third episode? Yeah, and 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 I'm really, I'm really interested to see how that all plays into things.
1: No, yeah, definitely, and I hope they pull it off. Uh, Maybe uh, another major part of my problem here is that in seasons one and three, there was a very clear and very present thematic undercurrent, and at times almost a too obvious thematic undercurrent. As so even though the the plot itself was kind of you know just just speeding along without really going into anything, the I the the theme of the season whatever it was, and I don't I want to say that I don't know what it was. I'm saying that. In those specific instances, whatever the, respect, whatever the right, theme was, right. um, <laughs> you so you got it. You the interactions between the characters, the uh, action sequences, the conversations, everything was put in this context, and that gave it depth. Even though you know I think there wasn't, in terms of uh, the, the machinations of the plot, there it wasn't very necessarily detailed. But in season four, I just... What is this season about? And I don't mean, like, it's about... Right, right, I know. know, Like, what is it about, about? Yeah, yeah,
0: what's it about? Well, okay, so here's the thing. Here's what I think. First of all, we haven't gotten that central conflict to reveal itself yet. I think that that's a thing that, for example... So, let me... I'll give you my, like, general perspective on this show. I think that... And maybe this is because, you know, this had to do with when they found out they were getting more seasons, whatever. uh, They decided to make it more like... Avatar The Last Airbender, but I think what they're doing with this series is they have shifted from a plot-driven show to a character-driven show, and it's been a transition. And every season, I would argue, has... or Maybe the first and second season were pretty similar in that they were very plot-driven. I wouldn't say that the third... I would say the third season was sort of a hybrid where they're sort of shifting away from plot focus. Like, okay, they're killing world leaders. Like, that's sort of interesting, philosophical, whatever, they're anarchist. And that's shifting into... Korra and how Korra has to you know respond as the Avatar, and by the end of that season, it's absolutely about Korra. The last shot is is of Korra in a destroyed state, and this whole season has been about Korra, not Kuvira, And that I think is intentional. They're really focusing on her. And what's cool is that you know if you go back to Avatar: The Last Airmender, the plots, uh, the overall plot, works as a motivator for like the general what's going on. But I you know Ozai is bad because he's trying to conquer the world. Like that is not good villain writing 101. That's just very boring. But that's not what the show is about. If you had... So in other words, if you had analyzed Avatar The Last Airbender by the quality of your understanding of Ozai's actions, you you would have nothing. You know what I'm saying? And so they've shifted to whatever effect. You know, you may or may not like it, but they've shifted... uh, They've shifted the show from something that was very focused on... um, you know, the villain of the season, the main plot of the season, into something that is, um, you know, really now about Korra. And I think that's what it is. And we're going to get that other conflict and stuff that maybe underpins it a little bit, but really this is about Korra's journey. And
1: I agree with you, that's fine, but it's taken us nine episodes
0: to get to that place. No, I don't think so at all. We got to Korra alone in the second episode where they basically stated this is what this season is about.
1: No, and I, like I said, like I've said, Cora alone is just—it's a great uh, episode that that gets a stand a standing exception exception <laughs> from any comments I make about season four because that is just a fantastic half hour. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think but, it's also important, like you can't look at it on its own. You can't look at Cora alone. You have to look at Cora alone in the context of season four, and in the but, context of season four, it's making a statement. The first episode is all about where's Cora, where's Cora, where's Cora, and then episode uh you know but then Cora alone states Cora is here and this season is about her actually they make that statement by the end of um the episode the first episode where we see her in the pit
1: but then we we have I, that's that's fine um but if we take that as a given we then look at you know where has Cora been this season what has she been up to what effect has she has she had on her own life? And I, I'll you know whatever having an effect on the narrative is fine because I get that she's in isolation for a while. It's fine, but how has she episode to episode, you know, visibly progressed or changed or made some oh kind God. of momentum forward seriously? or backward? Yes, seriously.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um. I mean, it. It's relative. But to say, to ask that question after three seasons where nothing changed about her character, I find that stunning that you would ask that question. I I mean, she's gone through monumental changes between like the end of season three into season four. uh, And, you know, the beginning of this, the whole time it's all about her, you know, even in reunions, they couldn't help but, you know, because they had nothing to fill the time with, I know. But, you know, if they were going to hit any point with her, all they decided to focus on was, I don't know what it means to be the avatar, you know, but I'm gonna keep fighting for balance, or whatever. And it got really cheesy. I mean, some of her lines were really dumb, but the uh, <laughs> but the the central point was that you know, if we're gonna show anything about Korra, we're gonna talk about her struggling. And I I, uh, I don't know. For me, um, that's what that's what they're shifting it into. Now, again, I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing, but you're wondering about what Kuvira is and you know that whole thing because the show has conditioned you to to wonder about things like that. But Zahir had sort of interesting, you know, anarchist ideas, but they weren't like there was nothing. There wasn't a lot of depth there. There was a lot with Amon, a lot. Like there was a lot, I would argue, going on there with the non-benders, because that that has ripple effects throughout the whole series. Non-benders versus vendors and that whole dynamic. I wouldn't say, um, I wouldn't say that there's nearly as much with Zahir and his gang, and certainly with Unalaq. Although that, you know, the spirit, but you know, it's it seems a little bit less. But they're really shifting, I think, this to, again, to, you know, whatever degree, uh, into a show about, um, into a show that's really about Korra, and that that's going to be the climax, is Korra, you know, the climax of the fight with Zuko and Azula is not Z- Azula losing. It's Zuko jumping in front of the lightning and saving Katara. That's the climax of that mm-hmm. fight. That's the reason for that fight. It's him facing his sister, facing his, you know, family or whatever, uh, and then sacrificing himself for someone he previously had hunted. That's it. That's the, the, the summation of it. Um, and so uh, so it's, it's that dichotomy where, like, they, you know, what you were shifting plot, which was the focus of Korra, uh, out for character. Now, are these characters worth looking at in nearly as much detail? Well, that's a completely separate question. I don't know. Well, <laughs> but I, I think that's what they're trying to do.
1: But this show, has, A, has never done that particularly well, and no. B, has never— I agree. <laughs> And B has never really made a case for having to because it's done the flip side so well. And, you know, this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Season 2 exists, I agree. Um, (laughs) But I agree with you that this shift is really apparent. And my problem is that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, and this isn't. You know, I really 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 liked but the legend of korra for its first three seasons and now in its fourth season it's a completely different show and maybe that's why i
0: like it more though because even whether or not it works they're still trying for something that to me reminds me a lot more of avatar the last airbender on that level
1: but but my problem is that avatar the last airbender was (laughs) did it really well Yeah, it was three seasons of that. It was consistent. It was like that was the show, and we talked about this in one of the very early episodes of this podcast. Uh, that uh, the Last Airbender was about the characters and the plot was kind of yeah, like well, like like you were just saying, the Fire Lord was just a, a brick wall they had to climb over, and it was the show was about the various Aang. ways that they tried to climb over the wall, right? And Aang focusing and on the characters and oh, yeah. sure. what the what that challenge meant to them, and how the various ways they went about facing that challenge, Mm -hmm. what that said about who they were as people. Uh, Korra has, the the legend of Korra has always been more about the wall and they have in, you know, we'll see with Kuvira, but two out of three times made the wall a really, really compelling challenge and because of that, you don't have to, it, it never suffered for not going into what the
0: challenge of scaling the wall meant for the characters mm-hmm. and how, you know, but I've been me. missing that.
1: I, I really haven't.
0: <laughs> I mean, you haven't, but I, I just, for me, that was what I was, you know, that was, I think people put in very basic terms, their problems with Cora, you know, like she fights too much. She's too, headstrong and I, and I've done it too. Um, but I think it comes down to something more fundamental is when you're conditioned because of the franchise to expect the former sort of storytelling and they skew the latter. And the problem is, the reason that we have season two and season one that are so much like the, you know, just focusing on the imminent threat, and then season three, it's because, again, I think this is, you know, had they been able to do this from the beginning, they would have done something more like what they did before because they don't have an interest in necessarily changing up their formula per se. They did because out of necessity, but I think that they. I, I, I get the impression that, the, especially because now they have the free reign to do a little bit different sort of thing when they knew they had two seasons yeah episode. I also get
1: the impression that um when they're coming up with Avatar The Last Airbender they're coming up with these characters because they're trying to right you know the the first thing you're thinking of is this world and the people in it and who are the people we're following and that's why maybe that was the focus of the show whereas in Mm. The Legend of Korra we have this world already and when you're thinking of what the, what is this show gonna be, you're thinking of all the things you can do in this world. Sure, yeah. So that's what each season is focused on. And like I said, you know, I like I really like both approaches, and I think both shows are really good at different gener- really good at both of them. Mm-hmm. They really pull them off, and I don't have a problem with going back to this kind of character focus. But I don't think that the structure that has been established for this show. And the other thing is that these seasons are half as long. As the seasons of the of they the are, but again, show.
0: I'm I'm looking at season three and four as one. Okay, so let's say it's one season. Then uh, season three and four are a lot more character focused.
1: That's true, but I my my argument with that, and we're falling into a rhythm here with this. You know, you state something and I say my <laughs> problem with that is. <laughs> um, my, my counter to that, I guess, is that yes, there's a lot more focus on characters now and specifically in this season there is a lot more focus on characters but there's it's still doing that thing that the legend of korra has always done which is not really delve into what the characters are you know thinking and what the implications and the meanings behind their actions and you know the the, the specific dynamics of their interactions it's still kind of doing all the characters are still kind of in the you know uh, plot centric mode
0: yeah i i wouldn't when you said this is focusing on characters i would maybe question that s on that word i i meant core really okay yeah, yeah okay that's that's fair <laughs> uh, i don't think that you know like mako is really getting any development or, or... <laughs> i would say no, maybe no. maybe bolin uh especially this season he's made himself to you know he's shown himself to be a much more interesting character than i thought and he's you know they're putting him in situations where he has to make moral decisions that are to me quite compelling
1: um, well yeah, exactly. they're putting him in situations where the things that we know about him as a character are challenged are, or exactly yeah, put and to the and, test. yeah exactly yeah it's it's a different, completely different uh context for who he is, and the meeting you well, like I was just saying, uh, everything that Bolin means means something completely different when he's working for Kuvira right and bolin finally comes to that understanding after mm-hmm. a while and that's why i've really and Varric too varic the exact same thing happens to Varric, uh so that's why i've really liked the that whole subplot
0: yeah no i, I like i like those um those scenes quite a bit and that and those but i was just thinking of the characters like you know mako or you know they do stuff with opal but is it really character kai or? has completely disappeared who has kai Ka- kai is just where is kai <laughs> Yeah, he was in the first episode and then gone. And they made such a big deal about him last season. <laughs> Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that is very odd. Yeah. I forgot about him. Right? Which is not good, especially if he's going to be important later. Although maybe his role was, was last season. But the part of the problem is that Janora is off on her own, and Kai was often used in conjunction with Janora. Hmm. So maybe that's it. They didn't, couldn't find something to do with just... But last time we talked to Kai, he was like, oh, everything's going great with Janora." I'm like, okay, but we'd never see you together. <laughs> so I don't really get that. Um, so, okay, so let's just, you know, if, uh, let's quickly cover, we covered a little bit of this episode. Let's get the rest of it down. So it starts off with Ryu because we all wanted to catch up with Ryu. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got some more, you
1: know, <laughs> we've all been waiting in his storyline.
0: We've all been waiting for that. He's uh, <laughs> apparently a tour guide for the Spirit Wilds now because how is that an airbender job? don't they have like well, maybe it's the do? worst airbenders job maybe that was the is. impression
1: i got like he got stuck with the and his parents worst. are so
0: proud of him for getting the job. <laughs> um played by john heater i don't know if we mentioned that before but played by john Heder. is he really yeah napoleon dynamite
1: oh my god that, oh now i hear it yeah
0: yeah yeah no it wasn't it wasn't until a sound alike or a, a riff it is actually napoleon dynamite playing Ryu. <laughs> um yeah no that's that's a thing uh why i i don't know uh i think he did that That Napoleon Dynamite cartoon and decided, oh, I could do voiceovers, Um, so so he did that, and uh, so then he gets taken by the spirit vine, and um, and then and then again the the vine thing comes into play, um, you know, where Cora figures out that uh, Kuvira is still, um, you know, harvesting these vines uh, in the swamp um, near the great uh, what is it, the Banyan Grove tree, yeah, so. uh, so that's cool so now she knows about that and I'm really meanwhile we have this plot going on where Opal is determined to uh to go and free her oh with Lin. so they're conspiring together that was kind of fun to go and free Suyin uh and her brothers yeah her brothers um so I was I I thought that was I thought that plot line was cool um I'm very ex- I we, well so next episode is called Operation Beifong. And that could not be a better name for an episode of Avatar. Wow. So excited. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to be really disappointed if it's not a good episode. (laughs) Because it's like you you can't squander a name like that. Um, So you know this is where Toph comes back into it again. I don't know why she's just not interacting with Kuvira at this point. Or maybe she is. Maybe they'll show up and she's mid-fight or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And then just as they're about to leave... Bolin uh, says, oh, I'll come with you guys, which you see coming, obviously, the whole episode. is very feeling. Who's going to come with us? No one will come with us. We have to go alone. And then Bolin's like, if only I had a way to redeem myself. And then Opal's like, oh, you could come with me and then redeem yourself. You know, you see that coming. But I like the idea of Opal and Lynn, two characters who are related, like literally related, but aren't seen together usually. So I thought that was cool.
1: Yeah, no, I'm hopeful that we'll see more of them together in Operation Vaifong, mm-hmm. which I agree. Uh, it's, such a, it's a weird title for a Korra episode. Um, It's just, it seems kind of out of sync with the... You know if it's I, literally I don't just why.
0: fan service of showing... No, it like, definitely, yeah. Because we like Lin and we like Toph. Like, Lin's a fan favorite from this <laughs> season, or from this show, and Toph is obviously a fan favorite. And if so, if they decide... This is just Lin and Toph wrecking things. Oh, and Bolin, I, 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 for some unknown reason, is a fan favorite. So, if it's just them like blowing things up and like quipping at each other for an episode, and that's all it is, I won't even care. To be honest with you, I would be content with that.
1: You know um, what it is it, with. The, I'm sorry. Just no. To go quickly ahead. Harp on the title. Um, i Quarter episodes don't typically have character names in them. They're usually a little more. Uh, well, sometimes they ambiguous. are. Ambiguous, they're a little... I mean, there's been the alone? names of... Coral- I mean, those are like... I mean, this season, that's what I'm going to say. This season, there's been one already. And uh, episode 11, I don't know if you saw, It's called Kuvira's Gambit. Whoa. So there's a third. Kuvira. But yeah, other than that, there's been no character names. And that was um, pretty rare in The Last Airbender as well. Where, you true. know, if we remember... I, I can't describe the typical... In the essence of a title well, of a of core yeah, episode, tough, right? but it seems weird and diff- weirdly it, different. It,
0: it does, but sometimes we would get things like sometimes it wouldn't be a name, but we'd get the Guru or the Blind Bandit, which described the character, a very specific character. So it's not a name, but I don't know. It works for me. No, um, it sounds really cool. Do we know what the um, if there's going to be a four parter ending to this, or is it not? Doesn't nothing? look like it because
1: they re- they did release. And, again, in one final—well, probably not final, but one, you know, ramping up to the finale, weird uh, marketing decision on uh, Nick's part. They, fi- they released the title—they they waited a while, longer than they have this season normally, after the episode 9 aired. And then they released the titles for the last four episodes.
0: Oh, all of them are out.
1: Yeah, so there's Operation Beifong, there's Kuvira's Gambit, there's Day of the Colossus, Whoa. and then the finale is called The Last Stand—
0: Really? Not yeah. Avatar Korra? Seriously? I know. I was sure. I it was seems sure obvious, it was, right? Yeah. yeah. And but since, since yeah, they don't yeah. seem to have a problem swiping titles from last yeah, this. I mean, this season, yeah. So Day of the Colossus, well, that kind of gives away a whole bunch, doesn't it? You think? I mean, I think the implication is there's a giant machine, like the robot things they fight with, but in bigger form that shoots laser beams.
1: I guess so, yeah. That it kind of
0: implies. That's, I mean, that's what we've seen so far, and to call it that is kind of, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I can definitely see.
0: And I'm assuming Kuvira's gambit pays off, or she wouldn't get her colossus.
1: That's a, yeah. That's what. To, <laughs> that's exactly what I was about to say. I, I could definitely see Kuvira the, that episode um, ending with like the hero. You think the heroes are about to Win. like finally get one over on Kuvira, but then she does some last minute gambit. Get it. <laughs> and this colossus is unleashed. You know, tune in next week.
0: Right, exactly. But whatever. <laughs> well, we've already got a kaiju fight, so now we need a giant robot fight, and then we've pretty much hit all the major plot you know, devices in major. Yeah, anime every that, and that, that's the final influence that we need. <laughs> uh. <laughs> right, because the only thing we haven't seen yet. Um, anyway, back to this episode, just to um, just to, to cap it off. Um, so we have uh, Asami and Varric have to work together now on um, a defense against. Oh, you know what? Maybe the Colossus is Asami and Varric's creation. Could be. We could yeah. be. We could be totally. But I th- I feel like Day of the Colossus implied something bad. Yeah, definitely. So, but Colossus doesn't be.
1: seem like a good guy
0: thing. But it would be cool if they created like a sentinel to like look over their city. Oh my
1: God! Fun. Well, like you're saying, obviously they create another giant robot, and the two have to fight.
0: Yes, obviously, and it's the only way for it to work. Or Korra <laughs> just becomes a big spirit again somehow, and then fights it.
1: And then it is yeah. literally Pacific Rim.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know if I'll enjoy that. Uh, I don't like big thing fighting. I don't understand the appeal of it. I don't get it. Don't use that retroactively to disregard my review of Godzilla. I totally stand by what I said. But um, I was,
1: I was milliseconds, milliseconds <laughs> from bringing that up.
0: But, um, I just, it's not, okay, specifically in this show, I like, I, what's funny is, you haven't finished the rift yet, right? Uh,
1: no, I haven't read the last part.
0: Okay, so I, I won't spoil it, but there is a giant spirit in the in the story, and, um, the interaction of the Avatar with, uh, or like, even you saw the part, the flashback bits with yeah. Yang Chen. Uh, just that, the small big is really cool, I like that. But the big big, the wrestling you know, like, that's what happens at the end of book two. Eh, meh. I don't know. I'm not really, I don't know how into that I am. Um, it's not as, com- you know, it's, wh- what's great about Avatar is that despite all the fantasy, despite all the extra magical stuff going on, um, despite the Avatar herself or himself, um, there's, it's all human. It's all very human interaction or it's human versus spirit or human versus, you know, why is co scary? Not because it can kill you, like, find a spirit can kill you. But because Ko steals your face, and you still continue being a human living, or because Ko stole, um, you know, one of the previous avatar's girlfriend's girlfriend or wife's face, like that, is what is scary about Ko. That's what's interesting about Ko. So it's that, it's that you know, uh, interaction or two humans. And so when you have two big spirits who like, what are are the stakes? What there's no stakes there. That's not interesting.
1: Yeah, but it's awesome.
0: It's not awesome. It is they're it's really not. big
1: and they're punching each other. Come on. Yeah, man.
0: Well, exactly, but that's yeah, but that's just it. So, you know, and what's so cool about that about beginnings part 1 and part 2 is when in part 1 when Juan finds um, Rava and Vatu wrestling, it's these it's this titanic fight and then Juan, this man, this human walks up and just you know, splits them. And that's that's what's so, so powerful about that moment. And so to have two giants Okay, we're totally speculating. I finally
1: here. understand why you didn't like Godzilla when you said. No,
0: that. no, no, no. Because Godzilla the like be humans can't hour. have oh. any impact on the giant monsters. Yes, but they give so much time to human characters who are who are extremely boring and we could can't. Have out of the we can't. Is this is <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway. Um, but <laughs> side point. Um, but yeah. So I, anyway, I hope that's not the end game for this show. Um, so uh, so we have a little bit of uh, Sami and Varric. Uh, Opal and Bolin and Lynn are off to rescue Suyen Su- and her family, and we're, they're probably going to interact with um, Toph, and I guess the Airbender kids? I don't even know where they are. Um, I really haven't the foggiest on where... Did they come back with them? Are they in the city? Are they going go well, to go J- to the swamp?
1: Jenora Jinora did play a part in this episode, so they definitely came back. Uh, right,
0: right, right, you're right. But, I have, um, yeah, I have
1: no idea where the other two are, and um, I'm not, you know too concerned about it, to be honest. Um, I'm
0: not. I'm not. It's just if you were going to introduce the dynamic between Toph and the kids, maybe that's going to come up again. It's all. That's the only reason I speculated about it, because they've been maybe. to the swamp. They know where Toph is. I mean, and there are might... so
1: many secondary characters
0: on this show. There are. At this there point, are. there are just a million. So I can see where, you know, you're writing this season and you're like... But they wrote a whole episode about her meeting Toph, them meeting Toph. So, like, why wouldn't you... That's such a weird thing to... Yeah. spend time on well why they develop have, those they kids? Like like said... when they don't care about a character or, or they don't they don't want to develop the character because they're not going to play a role later please uh, i hope i hope um uh, fingers crossed then they write the character out like kai who's just not around for some reason but they spent time on the kids so there must be i would assume maybe perhaps foolishly that they're going to play a role in the finale or in maybe the Operation Bayfung bit. I
1: wonder if that, the calling was supposed to be like the payoff of the kids that the we've payoff. seen throughout the series and like, alright, we're going to oh, get an episode man. where we where they finally like. And they've just tied
0: that off and now it's over. Yeah, you know, like, because... so they,
1: like, instead of that being set up for something later.
0: But then Janora and all of them are in. By the way, Janora has a knack for getting caught. That's just, that's ridiculous. You get well, I mean, when you
1: constantly. can do the astral projection thing, maybe it's not. Maybe she's off her guard a little bit.
0: Yeah, maybe that's it. Um,. Uh, but also one other thing, another thing that's completely so, you know, Cora doesn't want to face it here, then goes to face it here. Then she, you know, talks to him and then confronts him and then ends up in the spirit world. And then, uh, you know, Rava's back, even though I don't think she was ever gone. And she says specifically, "I was never gone." Where do you think the white eyes came from? Well, she doesn't say that, but you know. Um, and then she is told how to energy bend. Which is a huge revelation. Again, another thing jammed into this episode. Like, that was a huge sequence in, you know, with the lion turtle or whatever in, in Avatar The Last Airbender. It's a big thing. Um, and so that's kind of cool. So, so now uh, Korra, it looks like, has yet another tool in her arsenal. I don't know how it's going to play in, but clearly I wonder, she's going to be bending beams or whatever.
1: I wonder if she can only energy bend
0: in the spirit world, though. Like really? that was kind of
1: the that was kind of the sense that I got from it because you
0: know the idea that I don't that... think so because I think that was the point of this sequence is to show that she can do that because and when you already have the spirit energy beam that's being developed by Kuvira you get the impression that she's gonna Korra's ability to bend energy is gonna play into defense against
1: well the thing that'll be interesting about the end game with Kuvira is that you know this isn't an enemy that can be beaten by taking her bending away
0: and an enemy. I didn't, <laughs> did I say that really? you said an enemy and then
1: a and a, 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 bat, <laughs> a villain an antagonist. A villain, there you go. <laughs> um Kuvira is such a powerful, you know, public figure and she is so beloved by her subjects that you know, she would I get the Fruit sense Force she would become a martyr basically yeah, if, exactly, if Korra yeah. did that. So I don't know. And the other thing is I don't think Korra is going to have a lot of internal strife over whether or not to kill her like Ang did.
0: Right, what it might be political that she, or a reason that she doesn't kill her, or it might be, yeah. you know. So what I what I want to see is that she learns how to energy bend, and then may, maybe we have a, a, re, a repeat scene of when Azula is pointing her electricity at Zuko, and then you know you see that first person shot, which is so cool, and she points to at Katara instead. We might get that where Korra has the chance to to kill. Oh wait, the same thing happens with um with Ozai, um with where Aang has the chance to kill him too yeah yeah um so uh i think we might get that with the beam or something where she has a chance to kill kubira but then maybe doesn't um but what i like is that unlike energy bending in avatar the last airbender if it's used here it won't be the end game energy bending is what ends that fight with well I mean, the avatar state is what ends the fight with ozai but then taking away its bending is uh, with energy bending, is what Aang does. So, if, if what I'm getting at is that if Korra is able to energy bend, it still won't be the end. The end has to be her making some big decision, whatever that is, at the end of this story. So that's that's intriguing to me, because it, it's like, it, it sets it apart from the previous season. It's not like they both end with energy bending being like the deus ex machina end to the series that just fixes everything. I think that's not going to fix everything, even though she thinks it does. Uh, so I'm that's what I'm speculating
1: on. Yeah, it'll be. Well, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder what Dave Mach and they will introduce. recording. Yeah, because uh, yeah. yeah, well, maybe I mean, it'll be
0: Midichlorians. You know.
1: Probably, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably. And then, well, I mean, they're trying to hide it because they don't want a lawsuit from from Disney, obviously. Right. Exactly. That's so why they, they, they pulled it throw off. The it in the
0: last. It'll be in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyway, so I think that basically covers the, the episode. Um, a lot of big ideas, but not a lot of... Oh, one last thing I just want to mention. What's up with no Water Tribe representation at the meeting of world leaders?
1: Hmm. Yeah, wait, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> Somebody pointed that out, and I was like, yeah. And then they were like, well, maybe it was too far. And I'm like, the, the Fire Lord was there. What do you mean too far? Uh, Tonrock seems to just show up whenever. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that you have spirit portals that can get you from one of the planet to the other pretty quickly, so...
1: Yeah, wait a minute. Wasn't he, like, in Republic City the last time we saw him?
0: Last time we saw him. I mean, he could have gone back. He is the chief, but...
1: So he could have just come back again, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that is yeah. weird that he wouldn't be there. No, he wasn't he at... He was at the Coronation. Yes. Yeah, All the coronation. world leaders were there. That is it. That's a really good question. Um, you know what it is? I bet it's because they would have had to do... Has has Korra reunited with her parents yet? I don't remember.
0: Oh, because she has to burst. In. She totally hasn't,
1: has she? No, because they went straight from Zaofu to to Republic City. So, it so if he was there, any... they would have had to do a reunion scene, and maybe they just didn't. Have but they time don't. For it.
0: But they don't explain it. They just. It's just like well, it's inconvenient, so he won't be in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> what? You're right, though. That is exactly what they.
1: They they well they they can't have him Skype in, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, exactly. But they didn't like even come up with an excuse. Like, where's my father? Oh, he's you know off dealing with he. Could, they could have said anything. <laughs> but he's yeah. Like... He's, he's stuck in traffic. He'll be here. He's stuck in traffic. Well, there <laughs> that, that would have been the best.
1: The best cutaway in the history of uh, in the history of it, every Avatar series is just to cut to him like yeah to uh, what, him in the whole water tribe getup, just you know drumming his fingers on the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing.
0: That would be fantastic. um. But alas, we did not get that. So that was sort of a weird moment. But uh, anyway, um, hopefully next week, Operation Bayfong. I'm very excited. Yeah. Can never get enough Bayfong, no matter who it is. I don't think I dislike any of the Bayfongs.
1: All the Bayfongs are, are are great.
0: They are. They are. I know you've been. I, Opal's probably my least favorite, just because I don't particularly care one way or another. Although she's become a lot more interesting. Yeah. I would argue uh, in this season. But, uh, oh, oh hey, well, no, sorry, that's not true. She hasn't become more interesting. She's taken more agency. I don't know if that makes her interesting, but at least she's not... Oh, Bolet. Well, she, yeah, she's uh, actually been doing <laughs> something. Bullied. Here she's, like, angry and stuff, which still isn't particularly interesting, but at least it's not this passive sort of, you know, boring, uh, sheltered kid. Yep, uh, uh, the, worst I,
1: the worst that I feel about any Beifong is neutral. Basically,
0: yeah, exactly. I'm neutral about it, Opal, but that's that's good. It's a good family. Yeah, good family. Um, not quite the Fire Nation family. They're a little bit more complex, but that's.
1: Oh, we didn't even talk about uh, Izumi. Yeah.
0: Do you, do you have well, there's nothing to talk because everyone keeps talking about her on like the subreddit and stuff, and I don't get it because she hasn't done anything or said anything interesting. She basically said, "We got into a war before, and we're not going to do it again." Uh, I was like, "Okay." If you say so, like I, you know. <laughs> Whatever, like it was totally plot related. I didn't, it had nothing to do with the Fire Nation as it stands now. We didn't get any new information. I would love to see what the Fire Nation looks like now, but yeah. we haven't gotten anything. So, uh, and they're supposed to be the most technologically advanced. I'd love to see what they've got going on there.
1: Have you ever noticed that Fire Nation names are just like the same handful of syllables mixed up in different <laughs> letters?
0: It really well, I think is. they're actually Japanese names.
1: Are they real? And, oh well maybe it's the like the whole and, thing. And with... also,
0: to be fair, this is um uh I don't know if they're Japanese names, but I get they they, you, they give off that vibe. I I think they're Japanese. And also the Fire Nation royal family is intentionally making their names very similar. Like obviously Azula is named after Azulan and Ozai is similar and you know, there's actually Iroh is the only one who just kind of sticks out.
1: Yeah, it, And it, Lu it,
0: and Ten. Oh, his yeah. son who's not. <laughs> Um, but mostly they're named. I think that's intentional. Um, so Azumi makes sense in the sort of the Azula, Azumi. You know.
1: Yeah, this is well. It's the zoo for Zuko and no, oh, and Zuko and yeah. me Well, Asami is also he has the me at the end and starting with the A. Oh right, and, she's um, Fire Nation. There's Bang Man goes by the name Kuzan at one point in season three. Oh
0: yeah, which apparently we assume like. Names like Zuko are are derived from. It's interesting. Yeah, but I, I think it's. But, the... but Kuzon. But what's interesting about Kuzon is that if that's a name that he picks that might have. You don't meet anybody else with like that name. You meet um. Who do they meet at a? Uh, uh, oh, in May and Tai Lee, by the way. Um, but they uh-huh. go to the the beach. Uh, you know, there's the beach episode where they go to the party. What's the name of the guy that? Uh, oh, what are their names? Yeah, they have like. Hmm. They're really boring. They're just really generic names. Yeah. Uh, but Zhao, there's another one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you get the impression that maybe um, uh, Kuzan is is like an old name from when Aang was a kid. Or when Aang was alive a long time ago. And that the Fire Nation retains these old names, but that mostly everyone else has moved on past these like very regal Zs and similar sounding names. So maybe that's it. That you know, it's like... It's just royalty is holding on to these things because they keep the, the names in the family, whereas everyone else is progressing because they don't have to hold on to some sense of like old tradition.
1: You know what I think it might be? I think that there, there, there's. But this, I have no idea. <laughs> in, in a lot of, uh, I know this is true of Chinese, and I think it might be true of Japanese as well. This idea of when you, when it's written, you have the, the uh, different characters, and then you have certain radicals which are like, uh, you know, kind of base uh, strokes, base symbols, and you build on them, and they all mean kind of specific things. Like for uh, "ua," for instance, that's the radical that's for Moon. Oh. Um, so I think what it might be is that <laughs> all these names are based around these uh, certain radicals that I, I don't know but maybe have something to do with fire.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I would even know on that. No. No, and by the way, I just want to throw this out there as well. Agni Kai is the mix of two words. I think Kai means meeting and Agni is fire in in Hindi. (laughs) Fire meeting. It's like fire meeting or fire concept or something But Kai's name is Kai. And I find that interesting. Oh, his name is meeting. Well, his name is, yeah, I guess. But Kai's a common name. Like, it's in a lot of, there's people named Kai. It's like a real name. Um, It might not, I could be getting that wrong. Now someone's going to be like, no, it actually means... But now I'm just
1: picturing uh, an Agni Kai as like two people sitting in a boardroom, like having a very civil discussion.
0: No, they're sitting around drinking tea. I mean, if if Iroh had his way, all Agni Kais would just be... It's a
1: fire, it's a fire
0: meeting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And also no one Agni Kais anymore, I think, because is that the impression that we got from the Azula-Zuko fight? That's the last one.
1: I guess that's kind of the fan lore that's, that's built up around. I,
0: I could very easily see Zuko kind of outlawing it. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's kind of an outdated thing. Yeah. And also they don't tend to go well for him. Yeah. I could
1: definitely <laughs> be like, all right, yeah. First order business, please don't do this anymore.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, we might get some more information on that because, um, Oh, last bit of news. I was personally told by Gene Yang, who made the, who wrote the comics. Wow. um, he tweeted at me on Twitter after I was like, I wonder if there's going to be any more Avatar comics. Uh, and he was like, to answer your question, and he showed an interview that he had just done with comicbookmovie.com or comic... I don't remember what it was. Um, but uh, he... And I'll, I'll link to it in the, in the article, but he said to uh, us, I think it's Smoke and Shadow. So that's apparently in reference to a spirit, but the, the uh, Zuko's not in the Rift, and so they want to put the focus back on the Fire Nation... Um, and so we might get some. And apparently, the, the there was too much plot given away. By the way, in these interview <laughs> type things, but um, but just the very basic idea is that people are not happy with Zuko's ruling. Apparently, he's not. There's a, there are still fervent uh, Ozai supporters who mm-hmm. still exist. Apparently, I don't know why. Uh, maybe they were into the Empire, you know, whatever. They're still neo Nazis, so I guess. Um, but uh, so so that's that. So we might get something about how Agni Kais were outlawed um that was a total aside <laughs> totally relevant to this episode but hey what can you do um so next week uh, we'll get together and we'll talk about uh, operation bayfong all right very excited very excited yeah <laughs> all right talk to you later